Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. Today, I'm with a, a multi-time visitor to the podcast, but I'm sad to say will probably be his last in his role as Chief Mobility Officer for the state of Michigan. I wanted to use this opportunity to uh, talk with Trevor Paul one more time about all that's been accomplished with the Office of Future Mobility and Electrification in the past few years and what lies ahead for Michigan as he departs for uh, for some very exciting and uh, and personal adventures. So Trevor, thanks for taking time to be here. It's hard to say goodbye. Jeff, what are we going to do? Can we still be friends? We, we can. And, okay, and, thank and God. not in a virtual way. You, even though <laughs> you're going to try to be unplugged for a year, I guess. Uh, not we'll fully unplugged. Not fully unplugged. But uh, yes, so I am indeed stepping down from my position, which uh, is, is hard because um, I do love this job. I love the topic. I love our team. And the work has just been incredible to um, see play out. Uh, and I actually think this year is going to be a year of acceleration. Um, you know, you're the rabbit year of acceleration. Um, but we actually, um, are going to be taking a trip. Uh, we're going to be spending the majority of this year, um, me and my family traveling. Um, and just to give you a bit of background, we, um, so when, when me and my wife got married, uh, we had said, you know, Hey, life is short, time is precious. And if we ever felt as though there was an imbalance, uh, we need to do something. We actually set aside a savings account for a year of travel that we thought we'd use, you know, and uh, like we were like 70 or 75 and, you know, go to Vegas with it or something. Um, but it turns out this year just had a lot of different things happen, health related things. Um, you know, we had some folks or some friends, I should say, pass away suddenly, healthy seeming friends. You know, we're we're trying to spend more quality time with our kids before they start school next year. And so it made sense to move that year of travel up to this year. Um, so I'm going to miss working with you. I'm going to miss working with MDOT. I'm going to miss all the partners out there and, and listeners who, who care about this topic so, so much. Um, and, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll all see each other down the road somewhere. Well, when you called to tell me, um, you know, what I told you, and I think you heard from other people, maybe even surprised you how many people you heard it from. And that was, congratulations, you're wise beyond your years. You'll never regret this. Um, and it's it's good that you guys were able to plan ahead and save. And, and I, I just think that uh, as much as I'm going to miss you in this role, and I think um, all the good things you've been doing for the state will be missed. I think from a personal standpoint, you're really doing a good thing. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that, Jeff. And like I said, I'm, I'm coming back to Michigan. I'm, I'm uh, going to still be in the mobility space, I hope. Um, so this may not be the last time I'm on your podcast. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I can move up to co-host. What do you think? Maybe. Yeah. I think that's, we can, maybe we can just launch a, a another one, a related one on just uh, future mobility, you know? Yeah, there you go. There you we go. Can be, we can be like the bulwark starting out with one and then springing into several podcasts. That's boom, okay. Boom. I can, I can be the guy that kind of takes it off the rails with good humor and you can bring us back, keep us on topic. Be, I think people would listen. <laughs> Okay, so many ideas. So before we get into achievements and all that you've been able to do with the Office of Future Mobility and Electrification, I guess I'm supposed to say of me, but that's always hard. Um, talk a little bit about uh, you know the the future and and where things are going. One thing we've never touched on in our various conversations is is hydrogen and and what Michigan is doing in in that area is in terms of fuel cells and 
you know, I know it's all conjecture at this point, but I'm curious about what you think uh, the future is for that. Yeah. So there are cases around the world um, where you need a, a higher heat energy um, and where, you know, the larger the battery, the more of a liability electrification becomes. Um, the vehicle gets too heavy. Um, you know, any sort of corrosion could cause a larger issue. It's expensive. Think airplanes, think freighters, think big off-road equipment, think the things that move your bag uh, from the airport to the plane, think big ag. Uh, th those are the sorts of things that require another solution at scale if we want to see um, true sort of clean emissions across various modes of transportation. That's where hydrogen comes in. Uh, and I should also add big 18-wheel trucks um, and long haulers. I mean, that that hydrogen is a great solution for that mode mode of transportation. Even rail, I could keep going. Um, and so, you know, hydrogen now is to a point where it is being commercialized. We, you know, as North America are a bit behind Europe and Asia on the topic, but we are catching up. And you know, the federal government is leading the way with a big eight billion dollar opportunity. Uh, they're going to be awarding various hydrogen hubs around the country. And Michigan, along with uh, Illinois, Ohio, and Indiana, are actively working together to make sure that Michigan can capture those funds. And um, we actually have a seven-state MOU on hydrogen, uh, just to make sure that the different states are talking, that best practices are shared, uh, invest investment mechanisms are established. Because um, really, hydrogen, when you think about charging, and charging will get better I mean, right now, it, it seems like it's it's a little long for, for most people's routines, um, sometimes 30, 40 minutes, sometimes longer. But hydrogen very much resembles filling up at the pump right now. It's about, it's about that amount of time. Um, and it's the same process. And so if we can, if we can sort of get hydrogen out uh, to more people, uh, and granted, it may not always be the solution for SUVs and sedans, you can salvage some of the existing infrastructure that will likely change um, as electrification becomes more prevalent in our daily lives. So that's why hydrogen hydrogen is interesting right now. And I should add, it's very much not just a transportation concept or uh, conversation. It's it's something that goes sort of as far as you can go as it relates to built infrastructure and you know smart cities and and how we power the grid. Um, and it, it really does a nice job of linking nuclear and wind and some of these other methods into into transportation and, and into clean uh, energy. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That, that's what I know about hydrogen, Jeff. Well, so based on what you know, uh, what kind of conclusions would you draw? I mean, I know it's it's complicated and there's challenges, but um, are we going to go from you know, the kinds of EVs, battery-powered EVs and charging stations that we're talking about now to uh, to hydrogen sooner rather than later and a, a kind of a yeah. change in the infrastructure? So that's the, the I, I was going to say million-dollar question, but it's probably a trillion-dollar question. Um, are we looking at electrification as, say, we looked at compact disks? Uh, I don't think so, but... It bears repeating that if we can figure out a way to commercialize clean hydrogen, it does allow us to then leverage more of our existing infrastructure. Um, and the innovation around hydrogen can, for instance, provide more range 
than a battery uh, at, at, at some point in the future. I would say the ceiling's a bit higher. Um, but we have a long way to go. And I think one thing's for sure is, you know, when you rely too much on only a few types of uh, uh, energy solutions, you're going you're gonna to sort of put strain, put bottleneck on the grid put bottlenecks on in the supply chain. And so our energy future needs to be hybrid. It, it needs to be a portfolio of different types of renewables. Um, and hydrogen to me isn't, isn't the sole solution much like electrification isn't, but when you combine them into a system, that's where you begin to create affordability. Uh, you begin to, um, help more communities in a, in a very real way, uh, when there's more options. So I don't know. It's exciting. Well, since you made the CD compact disc reference, I think it, it bears pointing out that, uh, you know, there's a lot of audiophiles and music lovers like myself who still prefer the analog sound of vinyl. So, you know, yeah. nothing. Didn't you like, nothing. you referred me to like a Crosby, Stills and Nash song the other day. I know your era. <laughs> well, my daughter works in a, in a huge uh, vinyl record, very bohemian record store in Denver uh, called Twist and Shout. So, Okay. She's uh, she's all about vinyl. So yeah, my point is maybe nothing ever becomes obsolete. You know, there's there's yeah. there's an audience for it. Well, uh, that's absolutely right. I mean, I'll give you another example since we're just talking. And I may have mentioned this before, but like you look at the future of rail, uh, like is very much tied to the future of drones because the way that we've set up our communities around rail lends itself very well to low air travel, and we can essentially mimic some of the rail rail lines uh, in the sky create sky skyways based on you know what came before and i think there those situations i mean are, are out there all over the place we just need to be creative enough to think about them well speaking of being creative i think that uh what of me has done in partnership with uh, several other state agencies not to mention many many private partners yeah. um has has showed a great deal of creativity the past few years i really like the four ingredients that you've talked about in the of me recipe, uh, connectivity, partnership, investment, and sharing. But how about if we reel through some of the accomplishments? Um, and uh, as I give you each one, maybe just say a few words about each one and what yeah. you've done. Does, does that work? Yeah. And actually, if I, if I could add to it, um, I mean, what we're dealing with right now, uh, and I've mentioned, I may have mentioned this before too, uh, at local gover- government levels, state levels, federal levels, we're, we're dealing with departmental structures that were built nearly a century ago in some cases. Uh, and we're dealing now with 21st century problems, challenges that require adaptation, which is why you're seeing joint offices of the DOE and DOT. Um, OFME is a version of that. It's it's the governor and her team which are thinking critically um, about sort of what the future needs, saying we need these bridge offices to ensure that we we have proper coverage as the market changes, as communities change. So just the the sort of the inception of this office um, by the governor, by her team, by the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity and the Michigan Economic Development Corporation in partnership with MDOT, in partnership with the Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy. I mean, it was really brilliant and it was really forward thinking. Um, and I, I think it's played out quite nicely. But you're also seeing offices like there's an office for high-speed internet. There's an office for um, the outdoor recreation industry, and, and those are beginning to pick up steam. Um, so this model seems to really be working. And again, like kudos to the to the to the team, kudos to the governor, 
kudos to the local partners that, that have sort of leveraged these new offices. Um, and I think the best is yet to come. So yeah, let's rattle down the list. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're so bullish on the future. Um, so yeah, talk first about uh, you know the establishing a state strategy for future mobility and the the future mobility plan. Yeah. So the really cool part of this strategy is it's it's more like an aggregator. Like I I think there are great strategies all over government. MDOT has a, a strategy that gets us through 2045. The Michigan Economic Development Corporation has a strategic plan. That that we're really like making, making making strides towards achieving some of their job creation numbers, community development numbers. Um, you know, we have a My Healthy Climate uh, plan that focuses on, on making Michigan a carbon neutral state by 2050. And so, really, the goal of the My Future Mobility Plan was to stitch all those together, bring those together, be an aggregator. So, if those are all the strategies I just mentioned, were airlines, think of our strategy like Expedia. Uh, where we we tried to as best we could reference the the things these different strategies have in common, uh, and then sort of create goals and actions off of those things, so that we're all sort of reading off of the same script, making sure that you know economic development is always on the minds of MDOT, and transportation infrastructure always on the mind, for instance, of the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity people. Um, government should feel small. It should feel like everyone's talking, and I think that that strategy was meant to um, create create a system for that. Uh, it's already happening, but you know the goal is to create a system. Sorry, this was like a lightning round, and I feel like I went re- way longer. My well, apologies. Well, but that's no. I think that's that's fine because it's the first one, and it kind of you know sets the stage for everything else. So, you know, getting into the other components of all that, um, you know, you include on your list building America's first road that would be customized for driverless vehicles. Uh, that's the CAVNU project that we've talked a lot about. So, mm-hmm. you know, give me some insights on that. Yeah. I mean, if it works, and it will, um, you've now created a road that's safer, uh, leveraging new technologies, both hardware and software technologies. You created a, a road that avoids congestion, uh, which can help both transit, uh, but then also sort of those, those auto logistics companies that are, you know, time is money that need to get to, to the assembly plant in, in five to 10 minutes or else something's wrong in the line, or just folks that want to get to a doctor's appointment. Um, those are the kind of roads where you can get it right. You can get this recipe right on, on this corridor. You can mimic it all over the state and all over the world. So some of these touch MDOT and involve uh, tremendous uh, MDOT involvement and partnership, and some don't, but the first few definitely do. Um, and so the next one I'm wondering about your take on is uh, – a first road, you know, that does inductive charging that actually can charge a vehicle uh, as you drive across. I would say, and we worked on a lot of futuristic concepts. This one to me was the most futuristic. I was like, I cannot believe I'm working on this uh, the whole time, even now. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's going to be the first mile of road, but MDOT's actually signed an agreement with the company that's helping us, Electrion, to explore other systems of roads whether it's college campuses, hotel or hospital campuses, or parts of cities, or uh, you know other like maybe industry parks, uh, but essentially this technology is a great solution for those vehicles that have routine. Uh, think buses, think uh, uh, think uh, transit vehicles. Or, I'm sorry, I just said buses, but think like delivery vans. Um, so I think by by providing road infrastructure like this, you really create an incentive for uh, 
you know, small, mid-sized businesses, cities to begin to flip their fleets. And that's the goal. Yeah, that's a good goal. Um, how about, uh, you know, development of a signature EV route around Lake Michigan, the the, the circuit that we've talked yeah. about before? An, an electrified Route 66 for the people. Um, you know, this is a perfect example of something uh, that, you know, sometimes people say that mobility is a Detroit thing not being true. I mean, mobility is a Michigan thing and it extends, uh, you know, not just into the lower peninsula, but, you know, upwards across the upper peninsula and, and around the, the Great Lakes. And so this will be a signature EV route uh, with with really world-class charging infrastructure and easy access to finding where that infrastructure is. And while you're charging, why not spend time in one of those cool tourist towns that um, really sort of like embody what Pure Michigan is? And and so we're really excited about this one. Uh, and the fact that it was a circuit, it was the governor's idea, first of all, um, which is, I, I just think is a really cool idea. And we actually, you know, talked to other states and they're like, man, that's really cool. Could we make it a loop? And so now, now Wisconsin and Illinois and Indiana are in the mix. And that's the role Michigan should play. We should be the first on these things. We should be the ones that drive it forward. Uh, and then inspire other states. Not, I mean, we need to compete against other states sometimes, but sometimes it's good to have other states be inspired, and then we collaborate with them, like like they're a part of us. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah that, I love that one. It's somewhat derivative of the Circle Tour, right? That's the yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And talk about uh, America's first smart parking lab. Yeah. So um, I love this one too. Just because of all the different things you can do, not just what happens when the car stationary, which is 95% of the time, but also the act of parking. You can begin to reinvent parking garages into, say, fulfillment centers for goods as we have a more on-demand society. People want things sooner. And then as we think about the future of charging in parking garages, uh, do we need all the hardware of a station? Could we just have the spot charge the vehicle, much like our inductive charging corridor, but um, while the car is stationary? And so this was a really interesting public-private partnership because it wasn't just automotive companies. Like Ford was involved, Bosch was involved. Then we also like Rocket Rocket family of companies, Rocket Mortgage. Is this because they own a bunch of property, much like all these other non-mobility companies do? So regardless of if you're in the auto industry or mobility mobility industry or not, I mean mobility is still an issue, and you know smart infrastructure is still something you got to think about. And I think the the parking garage is very much um, an asset that extends maybe starts in the auto and mobility industry, but definitely extends quickly into, into other industries. And I, I really am excited about what's going to come in that lab over the next year. Yeah, I think that'll be exciting to watch too. What about uh, the first feasibility study for cross-border drone skyways? Uh, something, again, that uh, the aeronautics yeah. division at MDOT has been, been helping with. They're great. I love that team at MDOT. And uh, what this will do is allow us to begin to understand what the use cases are. What are the situations where a drone makes sense? Is it there's a traffic jam and someone has a heart attack and we need to get a drone in there because it's the only way to truly get uh, the proper medical devices or medical support? Or is it something else where there's an issue, you know, at the border and we need something to cross? Um, it's not, you know, obviously not a large amount of, of something, but something to cross that's important. Could we use drones? And what are some of the laws? What are some of the ways you could break those laws Basically understanding all the variables, throwing all the puzzle pieces out on the table, and then working together to try to understand if we were to do a, a Skyway network in Southeast Michigan and, and parts of Canada, but then also even up in Traverse City, that's one of the areas. Like, what are the best uses of that in a way, in, in, in a way that doesn't disrupt, uh, but only adds value to, to the people it serves? 
And what about the Midwest's first airport innovation lab in Grand Rapids, of all places? Yeah, yeah. We just actually made some news on that. Um, I think it was this this week we announced another round of technologies. But we work with the airport and Southwest Airlines to roll out various types of um, new mobility solutions uh, first in Grand Rapids. And if they work in Grand Rapids, they then are considered for other uh, Southwest hubs. Um, and we actually, the, the model for that was laid out early in the pandemic when we had cleaning robots at the Grand Rapids airport and they worked so well, uh, it was with the company Pratt Miller, we, we rolled or they rolled out in DTW and then ultimately the Guardia. And so the thinking was, could, could Grand Rapids continue to be that lab? It just seems like the perfect size airport. And so some of the cool things we've done, we've made a digital twin of the entire airport to run various security scenarios, uh, autonomous wheelchairs, autonomous lawnmowers. We've rolled out. Uh, various types of technology to help folks find a parking spot faster, help their bag get to the plane a bit faster. Um, so I, I really do think that's a fun, rapidly growing uh, initiative that uh, I think really does allow us to begin to enter into a national conversation or lead a national conversation on what the future of airports looks like. Because we can't just always be the leader in the auto conversations. We also need to lead in some of these other modes. It's all mobility. Amen. So, um, Talk about, uh, you would call it, I guess, a first-of-its-kind partnership to attract tech workers to Michigan Central Innovation District, uh, basically the the uh, former depot in Corktown, which has yeah. uh, been transformed by Ford Motor Company into a, a beautiful building again. Yeah. Um, if, if you had uh, great-grandparents that lived in Michigan, uh, it's a good chance that they they walked through uh, those doors and that was the first time they they saw Michigan. Um, so that building holds so much history and you know it's been abandoned since I think 88, 1988. And so what Bill Ford and Ford Motor Company is, is doing is just transformational. Uh, it's not just the train station; they bought buildings around the train station, um, and and have spent I think over a billion dollars now. If you think about all the different costs uh, associated, and the state's been a great partner. And so, but the thing is, you know, it's not enough to build it. You actually need to activate it. And so that's what we, we worked with the Ford team, uh, the city of Detroit and others at the state to rally a public-private partnership to activate the district and actually bring 5,000 tech workers um, then 2,500 non-Ford. And then ultimately we'll, we'll have 2,500 Ford and, and Ford partners in the space. Uh, so it's not just a Ford campus. It, it literally is uh, something that's going to be open to, to everybody. And uh, we're we just think like you know once you can create that global mobility hub, create a, a and there's even a, a special testing zone that city council just approved that skips or not skips but accelerates a lot of the permitting it takes to roll out a new technology, um, and allows some of the Corktown residents, Southwest Detroit residents to experience it first. I mean, how cool is that? Like if someone in Corktown tries something, they like it, they could be the reason it ends up in in vehicles all over the world or intersections all over the world. So as much as it's a cool set of buildings that are being reestablished, and as much as it's going to be a job creator, it's going to also improve the communities around it. And that's why I'm so excited about it. Well, just everything that's gone on there. I mean, since Tiger Stadium shut down more than 20 years ago for a long time, that whole district uh, was a, a bit of a ghost town. And now yeah. in the past decade or so, uh, what's gone on with the development even predating that and that's just making it take off. But the number of people homesteading there and buying condos and the, the bars and restaurants, and it's just, it's really cool. Absolutely. 
So yeah. la- lastly, why don't you talk about uh, the, the Nevi plan and what Michigan's doing, you know, mm-hmm. with EV charging and, you know, thanks to the IJA and some, some money from the federal government. Yeah. So, I mean, our, our office has just been a support mechanism, I think, to the good work that MDOT is doing. And it's a great example of you know, departments needing to come together. I mean, MDOT owns all, uh, owns all those roads, 28,000 miles worth. Uh, the, the money ultimately from DOT is going to flow through MDOT. But then you have uh, Eagle, our Department of Energy, that owns uh, the, the, the charging station program and the installation and, and all the different service components. And then you obviously got others like the DTMB that also purchases chargers. Uh, and then you have our office, which is meant to sort of be a bridge, a project manager to make sure that $110 million is, is spent in the best optimized way we, we, you know, we can spend it to ensure that, you know, we can eliminate electric vehicle range anxiety in the state. Um, and so that NEVI, that NEVI plan and, and what it is, it's part of the Biden infrastructure plan, $110 million uh, along certain designated corridors, which are in our state, mostly interstates, to begin to install chargers um, at max, I believe it's 50 miles apart, um, and it, they can't be more than a mile or two away from the intersection or away from the corridor. And so we're going to be, you know, our plan was approved by the federal government, and, and now we're working together to begin sort of the the next stage, the implementation phase. And I, I think this is one of those projects that when it's done, you're tr- regardless of where you're at in the state, you're going to see the difference. It's going to feel a little easier to buy an electric vehicle, to operate an electric vehicle, um, and when you begin to do that, you begin to see the cost savings, right? I mean, you look at the Ford F-150 Lightning, it's the lowest uh, cost to own over the life of the vehicle of any F-150 they've ever produced. Um, you know, people think it costs the same amount to charge a vehicle as it does to put gas in it. No, it's like 8 to $12 regardless of the vehicle. So people can begin to see the cost savings. And I think that's when, you know, EV adoption is really going to take off. Um, so I will be watching from afar. I'm really excited about where the state's going. I mean, we've been set up by great MDOT leadership, great, great leadership at the governor's office, great leadership across state departments, uh, and, and the team at OFME. I can't say enough about my team. I mean, I stood on the shoulders of giants. I just, I've been telling their story. All these projects we're talking about, they did them. Yeah. And there's still more to come. And I always appreciate your enthusiasm and, uh, just the, the job that you've done promoting, our state and everything that we're doing. And, uh, you know, um, we always talk about the cliche that Michigan put the world on wheels and whatever's next, what, however we're going to be traveling, you know, wheels or something else. Uh, it's important that Michigan remains in the lead. And I think that uh, a lot of what you've done with that office and all the partners that you mentioned has uh, put us in a good position. Thank you, man. I really, really appreciate that. And, and you know, working with you has also been like awesome. Like you, you have a way of explaining these technologies and these projects uh, that, that gets people excited and helps people understand it and be able to repeat it, tell their friends, um, you have a gift. And it's been, it's been cool to, to watch that play out or listen to that play out during these podcasts. Um, so I'm going to miss working with you. Well, best of luck on safe travels and uh, enjoy watching your kids grow up. I know you will. <laughs> All right. Take care, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. You can find show notes and more information at either the Buzzsprout site or on Apple Podcasts. I also want to thank the people who work on this podcast and make it as good as it can be each week. Chiefly, Randy Debler, who does the audio editing. Also, Jackie Salinas, who puts the transcript together. Jesse Ball, who proofreads the show notes. And Courtney Bates 
who posts the podcasts on the various platforms.